Welcome to The Descent Into with Legith and Vinny, a podcast about, well, anything really. Today's episode is The Descent Into Particle Physics? Well, welcome everyone uh, to another episode of our Descent Into podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Vinny, and I'm here with my co-host. Hello, Jess. Hello, that's me. (laughs) Yes, and today we'll be talking about uh, a topic that I find really interesting. Uh, particle physics and i found very very confusing in my yes. long 30 minute google search so we're gonna try to uh, make him a little bit less confused and hopefully you guys can find something interesting to take away from the conversation but yeah so let's start with simple simple thing what is particle physics okay so particle physics is the branch of physics that studies the most fundamental like constituents of matter. So basically, what are the building blocks of matter, like of the visible universe that we see around us, and how do these building blocks interact with each other to create the effects we see in the world? That's like the basis of it. Okay. And uh, can you tell me what matter? Awesome. Can you tell me what matter is? I mean, matter is basically what makes up everything around us. Okay, so... Everything that you conventionally think of as part of the universe is matter, except for dark matter and dark energy, but I don't think we need to get into that. Okay, right? so particle physics is basically talking about the building blocks of matter, which is everything. Uh, strictly speaking, no, but it's everything that you usually think of, yes. Okay, that... that... That's interesting. So when did this study start off? Because I'm assuming there's a start date on when this branch of physics was officially coined. Yeah, I feel like it's hard to pinpoint like a specific date and be like, oh, this is when people were like, let's start studying particle physics. Because like it really came off uh, from nuclear physics, right? Um, So to go back to that beginning, so I'm going to try to do like a brief, just the main most important points and you can like let me know what you think along the way so there's this really nice uh quote from 1900 right uh by lord kelvin whose last name might sound familiar to some people um and he said and i quote there's nothing new to be discovered in physics now um he thought everything was done the only thing that we're left to do is to make more precise measurements and God, how wrong he was, you know? Uh, spoken, um, like, I don't know what's more ironic that someone named Lord Kelvin saying that there's nothing else to be done. Yes, and he's the same Kelvin from Kelvin, like... The, the scale. Uh, the scale, yeah, the temperature scale, which is usually used in science when we need to get really cold um, or really hot. And uh, for people who've never heard of Kelvin, because I don't think it's not used that often, unless you're in the scientific yeah. field. It's only used by scientists. It, it's basically uh, a scale of temperature like Fahrenheit and Celsius. However, zero in Kelvin is absolute zero, where there is no movement, I think. Uh, yeah, no molecular movement. There's no molecular or movement. No. Oh. I was just also going to say, so... Um, Zero Kelvin equals negative 459 Fahrenheit. And in Celsius? Oh, it's like 200 something. Let me, let me, um... So, 273. So, negative 273 Celsius is zero Kelvin. Okay, so basically the way I I have it remembered is zero degrees uh, Celsius, water freezes. Zero degrees uh, Fahrenheit, it's cold. Yeah, it's like very cold. Okay, okay. And zero degrees Kelvin, you're dead. You cannot be there. Yeah, I mean, so, that sounds about right. So yeah. yeah, not not to dwell on Lord Kelvin, you know, but basically, in the beginning of the twentieth century, um, people thought that like our physics was discovered because classical mechanics was pretty much in a place that it was done. Uh, thermodynamics had just gotten a lot of like really important uh, empirical discoveries, right? And then there was Maxwell's theories um, and like equations of electromagnetism. And then from there, uh, a lot of crazy discoveries like ensued for the next hundred years. And that's 
from those discoveries is where the field of nuclear and particle physics uh, came from. So uh, first, like in 1907, atoms were proven to exist, to be a thing. Because mm -hmm. before then, even that wasn't known, right? And then the nucleus was discovered in 1911. And, and then in between the 1920s until like 1932 is when um, quantum mechanics was kind of formalized and like became a thing. So like in this time period, we have the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, Schrodinger's equation, um, like uh, Planck's constant and the relationships with it, right? So basically quantum was done in, in this time period. And from there, we started studying like the subatomic particles, right? And this is when it starts being related to particle physics. And is it making sense to you so far? Yep. Yeah, so they found the atoms, found that the electron was a thing, then found that the neutron and proton were a thing. And then in 1928, which to me, this marks one of the like beginnings of particle physics. Um, this really important physicist called Paul uh, Dirac, he, from his like theoretical um, equations, and he, he's the one that has the equation for quantum as well. Mm -hmm. Like Schrodinger has an equation. He made the prediction that in, like antimatter should exist and antiparticles should exist. And then four years later, uh, the first antimatter particle, uh, the positron, was discovered. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that was like in 1932. That was a really long time ago, right? Holy shit, that's like, are we getting close to a century ago? <laughs> right? Yeah. But yeah, and then then from there it got kind of crazy, and I'm I'm am going quickly through this, but like people can look more into it. It's really interesting the history of how everything happened. Um, in the 1950s, so they started trying to study um, like if there were any uh, atomic particles and subatomic particles, right? And they were doing. Um, particle collisions, so just accelerating uh, different types of particles really fast and hitting them there against a stationary target, which in the beginning of like nuclear and particle physics, the stationary target was uh, like gold foil, uh -huh. or just hitting the particles against themselves. And they were seeing like new particles being created that they didn't know. Um, so in the 1950s, the era uh, in which they called the zoo of particles became a thing. So through like all these particle collisions, they were discovering so many particles that they just didn't know how to classify anything. Uh, and it, like, it literally got insane, the amount of particles that they were discovering. So it like exponentially and, grew? Yeah, like they just, they were discovering a lot of things, like unique particles that they couldn't arrange in any nice manner. Mm -hmm. So and they call their like the particle zoo. Okay, so and their particles are very like don't confuse particles with elements, right? Oh no, no. Yeah, um, so that's what I'm saying. It's like because I feel like this is a confusion because like people would uh, would think of the periodic table and the like subsets that's how that's there. It's not that. It's particles are smaller than elements. They're what make up elements. They're they're what makes up what makes up elements. Okay. They okay. like look up the atoms. Yeah, so it's smaller like than <laughs> yeah, it's smaller than what I said. <laughs> yeah, it's like the smallest things you can get, mm -hmm. um, and that's like the point of particle physics to try to figure out the smallest things that we can like break things into, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, in 1948, um, someone had this really nice idea. Uh, well, not one person; it was multiple people, but they developed a theory called quantum electrodynamics, mm -hmm. which basically explained electrodynamics, um, like using a quantum mechanics framework. Mm -hmm. And it was like really novel and stuff. Um, and the way it kind of worked. So the discoveries that led to this was related to like quantum mechanics, right? Where a particle um, behaves like a wave and a particle at the same time, right? 
Okay. So, so yeah, mm-hmm. th- that's just like a given from quantum because I feel like if we dive into that, it's gonna take way too long, right? So quantum yeah. electrodynamics was uh, created, mm-hmm. and the way this framework works, in order to describe the interaction of say electrons, right? Yeah. Okay. Where they interact via the electro um, electromagnetic force. We can describe this interaction um, by describing it as an emission of a photon, where the photon is the particle of light, right? Yep. Okay, so far you're following? Yep, I'm following you so far. So in the 1960s, um, well, in the 1960s and 1970s, so people took this framework from quantum electrodynamics, which mm-hmm. was like really well understood and measured and like the predictions were uh, measured to be correct, right? And they tried to extend this framework to the other forces where like we try to describe um, the nuclear forces as an exchange of a particle that carries the force and describes the interaction the same way that the photon was describing the electromagnetic interaction. So that happened in the 60s and the 70s. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're trying to describe the, the interaction between particles. and Yes, yes. Okay. So this is when um, people in trying to classify this created a thing called the eightfold path or eightfold way, mm-hmm. uh, which is a way to classify those zoo of particles that I told you about. Mm-hmm. And then uh, through the classification of these particles, they predicted the existence of even smaller particles called quarks. So mm-hmm. like these really small particles called quarks then would make up um, the protons and neutrons, for example. And also these other particles that we were discovering. Okay, so now, because I'm, I'm looking up, they found the, they found the last particle in 2012. Like, wow, that's actually very recent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to get there. Uh, okay. I, and this is a very quick kind of just overview of the history. Mm-hmm. Uh, because from this um, prediction of the existence of quarks, and then later the detection of the existence of quarks, mm-hmm. is where the standard model comes from, where the standard model describes three out of the four fundamental forces of physics and it describes it via uh, like these particles that make everything up quarks and leptons and via their interaction which is described by a particle that um, like controls there's a force carrier particle for each of at least one for each of the forces what are the four forces in particle physics so there are four forces in in physics in general Three of them are explained by the standard model of particles. And those three are? Uh, electromagnetism. Okay. The strong nuclear force. Okay. And the weak nuclear force. Now, what is this, the difference between the strong and the weak? Okay, so I'm going to just describe what the three of them are responsible for. So the so electromagnetism is responsible for well, the electric and magnetic processes that we see. So everything that we do with electricity is because of this force, for example. Mm-hmm. Then there's the weak nuclear force, which um, governs radioactive decay. Okay. So like radioactive nuclear decay is explained via weak force interactions. So stuff like nuclear fusion and fission is explained that way. And then there's the strong nuclear force which is responsible for describing how the quarks um, make up protons and neutrons, right? Like how they interact to make up protons and neutrons. Mm -hmm. And also describes how um, the nucleus of atoms stay together as like a thing. Okay, but why would they name it? Okay, now this, you know what? I'm not going to go on this. You can ask about the naming of everything. Okay. why? Can I just finish the real quick the, the history? Just yeah. Because then we can move into what the actual model is. Okay. Oh, what's okay. the last force? You me- you didn't mention the last one because we got three. Is gravity, which is not described by particle physics. Okay. It's, it's described by general relativity. 
uh-huh. which is Einstein's uh, field theory, and it's also one of the most successful like empirical theories. Uh, nice, nice. As okay. in, like they tested it empirically, and it's really, really accurate. It's wild. Same with the Sender model. Okay, I'll skip going. And it's a big problem that we can't unite both of them. Okay. So. Because um, you, you mentioned another thing that I want to talk about, which is the Sender model. So I know you're getting there, though. Okay, yeah. So really quickly, the standard model was theorized in the 1960s and 70s. Mm-hmm. And then in the 1980s and 90s and 2000s, all like the things started falling into place, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the particles predicted by the standard model were discovered. And this led up to the last particle being discovered in 2012, which was the Higgs boson. Which was the hardest particle to discover. It's a, spe- a sp- it's different from all the other particles, and I can explain that in a bit too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it awarded the um, theorist that like theorized that the Higgs field and the Higgs boson exists. Mm-hmm. It awarded him the Nobel Prize in physics. Congratulations to said scientist. Uh, yeah. Again, I'm sorry to ask you something you mentioned in passing. But you said that there's an issue with the standard model and uh, general relativity. There isn't an issue with the model, right? Mm-hmm. It's just that we don't have a description of gravity in terms of elementary forces and particles. Okay. Now, can you yeah. explain what you mean by that? So, um, so basically... Gravity, as we see it in general relativity, is not accounted for at the quantum scale. Like, we don't have a quantum description of gravity. Oh, okay. Part of what makes it so difficult to have a quantum description of gravity is that gravity is the weakest of all the forces. So, at at like a quantum scale, like at these subatomic scales, Mm -hmm. it's very negligible, like the effects of gravity. And that's why it's really hard to have a theory. Because gravity works with mass, right? The more mass... Exactly, yeah. Okay. I mean, I guess it's not hard to have a theory. It's hard to prove any theory because the effects are so small. There are people that have theorized um, different things related to gravity at the very small scales. I don't want to, like, say that that doesn't exist. It's just very hard to test anything. Okay, so that's where we are. Well, the brief not so brief history of uh, particle physics <laughs> but yeah, it was we just flew through it but i feel like that was a i feel like there's all like there's a lot of little things that you said that we could take out and have like a whole 45 minute discussion on and yeah. but and i feel like it's more important to spend time looking at the standard model right? that's where we're gonna what is the standard model okay so the standard model is the model that unifies um pretty much all these discoveries in threes for the past like a hundred years and it also describes how uh three of the forces like i said the nuclear uh, weak force strong force and electromagnetism works uh, which is just really really exciting so in the standard model right i will say this we will wait before you go (laughs) while we're talking about the standard model just I'm gonna yeah, Google. Google the, I'm gonna Google the standard <laughs> model to see what picture pops up, and hopefully everyone gets the same one. Uh, yeah, you'll have like a a draw like a I wouldn't call like the uh, a table like the periodic table. Have that in front of you because I'm pretty sure we're gonna be talking about the particles in it, and it'll be yeah, a lot more. Hel- yeah, yeah, it'll be a lot more helpful if you have that grid-like structure near you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So go ahead with the what's the standard model? Yes. Uh, so in the standard model, we can divide all the particles into first either being quarks, uh, oh, okay, either being quarks, leptons, or bosons. Right. Okay. What are quarks? Quarks. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are what are so, what are those? So the important difference between them, um, which like, on a cer- there's many differences, but on like the surface, I think the important difference is that the quarks interact via the strong force, mm-hmm. right? They also interact via other forces, but 
they're the only ones that interact via the strong fork. Mm-hmm. Where the leptons interact uh, electromagnetically, but not via the strong fork. Okay. And uh, the way quarks work and the way the strong force works, uh, they usually either come in uh, threes or pairs. You like, we've never been able to break um, a like a quark structure apart and find just one quark. It's always either in threes or in pairs. Okay. Uh, just because of the nature of the strong force, mm-hmm. the way it works, it prevents it from being broken up into one, which is pretty insane when you think about it. Okay, so Any those questions? are those. You can ask questions as we go because it's okay. very complicated stuff. Because I have the drawings. So the quartz are like the top six in the left corner? Well, the, yeah, yeah. Okay, so. And you said they come in pairs or threes, right? Yeah, when we actually see them. In, so, for example, right? We have a proton. Mm hmm. So the proton and neutron um, are made up of quarks. The proton is made up of two up quarks and one down quark. And the neutron is made of two down quarks and one up quark. Okay. Yeah. You have to say that again because uh, I realized that I was conceptualizing this wrong. I was thinking about atoms, but they're the things that make up the atom. Um, they're the, yeah, they're the things that make up... So the quarks make up the nucleus of the atom. Yeah, and here's the other thing. Uh, when you say proton, within the the standard model, there's proton there as well. No. Am I... Isn't there like... Because the proton is not a fundamental particle. The proton is made up of uh, quarks. Well, what is next to the bottom then? Because you know there's a, there's a top bottom and then the, and on its right there's the proton. On its right there's the photon. Oh, yes, pho- that's why. Okay, my English just failed me there. <laughs> so that makes a lot also more sense. Also known as the, the particle of light. Yeah, photon is a particle of light, right? Yeah. Okay. Photon so keep... is just light. Yep. Like, yeah. And that's a boson. Is that's a boson, right? Yes, it's a boson because it's the electromagnetic uh, force carrier. So, to recap, it the qu- the the quarks, quartz, quartz, quarks, quarks. It sounds like I'm saying quarks. Is it right? Just just go with it. Yeah, uh, they interact with the strong force, right? <laughs> They, they interact with each other via the strong force. With, yes. with each other via the strong force. And the leptons is those that uh, interact with the electronic... Uh, electronic? Jesus Christ, my English. Oh, electromagnetic force. Electromagnetic yeah. fo- uh, force. And the bosons is also the electromagnetic force? No. So the bosons, eat their force carriers. So each of them um, correspond to... A diff- well, there's multiple that correspond to the weak force, but each force has a corresponding boson, at least one corresponding boson. And mm-hmm. then the interaction of, say, like, the interaction between the up and the down quark inside the proton, right? Mm-hmm. They interact via the strong force. This interaction can be described via gluon emissions between the particles. So, so the force carrier is explaining interaction. Okay, so where, yeah, if I'd say say this, if with the the quarks up and down, the gluon would be the carrier that's due between them. Yes. Okay. <laughs> the gluon is quite literally the glue of the proton, <laughs> if you want to think about it that way. Okay. Yeah. The the way I'm trying to imagine this on uh, the way I'm I'm trying to imagine this is for up and down to interact with each other, they need to have a, someone actually physically get, uh, connecting. Okay, let me think about it this way, right? Okay. So we have me and you. Yep. And um, I want to send you a message. We're like in the same room. Yep. But I can't talk and you can't talk. 
because talking would be communication via not the strong force, right? Mm -hmm. And then let's say we can only communicate using a volleyball. Mm -hmm. So I take a marker, write on the volleyball my message to you, mm -hmm. and then I throw the volleyball to you. And that will be the glue one. Yes, so you would say that our interaction can be explained via the volleyball, which would be the glue. Okay, cool. So <laughs> yeah. that that makes a lot of sense. That okay. So it's the, a lot more complicated than that, but that's just yeah. if you want to think think about it like that, I think it makes sense. Okay, so would the bosons basically be the the thing that helps them communicate with each other? Well, interact with each other. Yeah, they, they explain the interaction. So, for example, um, so you know how particles scatter from each other, right? Yes. Let's take the example of two electrons. Mm -hmm. So, um, electrons have the same charge, right? Mm -hmm. So, if you move them close to each other, they will scatter, like they will both exert a, a force on each other and go in different directions. Mm -hmm. right so um, this scatter is because of the electromagnetic force but you can explain it via an emission of photon between them which makes them scatter okay yeah so that makes if that helps okay that yeah I'm gonna stick with the first example because that also helps me much better <laughs> Like the okay. the you basically use uh, the gluons to explain the interaction. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. Well, in the simplistic explanation of it. Yeah, and remember, they usually come in twos or threes, so you wouldn't ever see just an up and down quirk. You wouldn't it see. It would be either up down down or down down up, or like up up strange. It would never be just up and down. Okay, now my question is, why is that? So, <clears throat> okay, there's this, so gluons and, uh, so, okay, so you know how the, the electromagnetic force, right? Yep. We have charges, yep. and charges come in different flavors. There's the positive and the negative. Yep. So for the strong force, there's also different flavors, but there's three of them, right? Okay. Yes. Um, but the different flavors, it's it's not as simple as plus or minus. Okay, so they have. Uh, do Do you know the what What are the flavors? So, they're called colors. Colors, like color yes. or colors. No, like color, like like fucking red, you know, like color, color. <laughs> <laughs> Colors, yeah, okay. Hard uh, in my language, yes. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, so. Is it red, blue, green? It's red, blue, green, yes. Okay. And there's the antiparticles that have anti-color, but we don't. Let's not go there. Okay. So, uh, these particles form in a way so that they conserve color. So in order for the col the color to be conserved, uh -huh. the, they either have pairs of three, where it would be like the red, blue, and green. Oh, pairs of three. I guess it's not a pair if it's three. Yeah. So like, wait, uh... They either come in groups of three, mm -hmm. like the proton and the neutron, or they come in groups of two, where it's the particle and the antiparticle, because then the sum the color sum would be zero because the they cancel out the particle okay. antiparticle color so basically it's either zero or three it's not even three because it's still technically zero is just the you need one of each you need for one it of to each. be like balanced okay i know i'm gonna yes I, that's why i wasn't gonna get it okay so yeah it is it is getting slightly confusing here but the why is the photon only have one because is it like the character? Because like, I um, mean, we we also only have one gluon. The gluon has three colors, where the color is the charge of the gluon. Okay. We we yeah we only have one photon, but like the electrons have different charges. Okay, 
we're gonna move on from this because this is gonna get more and more confusing. But okay, yeah. uh, we're still gonna stick on the standard model. Yeah, so yeah. Because this is the main the main deal, you know. We'll explain the three types, which is the quirps, leptons, and boson bo- bosons. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now. What are, because when I'm looking at this, I see a lot of, uh, where is it? I lost track of it. So first I had a, a quick question because I was, the the website I have with the standard model has a, some explanations to it as well. Okay. And it said that the standard model pr- predicted, well, predicted the uh, some of the particles that we just recently discovered. What, like... For example, the Higgs boson particle, right? We discovered yeah, that's it. The most recent. Yeah, we discovered it in twenty twelve. Was that space just empty before twenty twelve? Oh no, it was there because it was already predicted. It just wasn't discovered. Oh, like so... these were all predicted when the standard model was made. We just didn't have confirmation that it existed until twenty twelve. And is there more that we still have predicted that we haven't discovered? Oh no, this is it. That's why the Higgs boson was such a huge discovery. And also because it's incredibly hard to work with the Higgs boson. Um, unlike the other uh, bosons, it's not uh-huh. associated with any force. So it's special. Uh huh. So the Higgs mechanism or the Higgs field. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know if, how deep we want to get into it because like each particle also corresponds to a field. But I don't think we need to get into that, right? Mm-hmm. I think yes, talk yeah. in terms of particles, it's easier. I'm just gonna say this: all my movie particle physics is just being proved wrong. Okay, so um, the Higgs mechanism, mm-hmm. which the, is where the Higgs boson comes from, it um, it describes how particles gain mass, like how particles acquire mass. Okay. So it was like a really huge discovery to be able to find this, that like this is true and it's a thing that happened. Because until then we couldn't describe how things gain mass. Question, is there the possibility of us finding more particles that don't fit in the standard model? Hell yeah. What happens when we do find something that does not fit in the standard model? It's really exciting, we get new physics. <laughs> you get new physics? Man, <laughs> Lord Kelvin must be kicking himself in the grave. <laughs> It's super exciting because there are still really huge things that we can't explain via the the standard model. Give me like what's something that we can't explain? Okay, one of my favorite things, dark matter. We can't explain using the standard model. Oh, Uh, let's touch lightly on dark matter because you mentioned dark matter and antimatter and I want to make it very clear because it confused me. They're two very different things. Dark matter... It's actually easier to talk about antimatter first. Okay, let's go for it. Okay. So you're looking at the standard model, right? Yep. So each quark and each lepton, mm-hmm. well, I guess everything, they all have a corresponding antiparticle. Okay. And that does the do the bosons have the same thing? Uh, I, it's more complicated with the bosons. Okay, so let's just say the quartz and the leptons, because I was like, what would be the antimatter of the Higgs particle? So focusing on like the the um, the quarks and the leptons, because there's the ones that have like the antiparticles, right? Uh huh. Um, all it means to be an antiparticle is it's it's kind of like being your twin, right? It's a very mm-hmm. very similar but slightly different. Mm-hmm. So, for example, the po- um, positron is the antiparticle of the electron, and it's basically a positively charged electron. And I know this that if a ma- uh, matter and antimatter meet, they just disintegrate themselves. Yes, they, there's a process of annihilation that occurs. And that releases energy? Yeah. Okay, so because. It's so that it doesn't violate that matter cannot be created nor destroyed, right? Okay, so um, matter and energy conservation together is a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Okay. So, so we can have matter become energy and energy become matter. Okay. But so matter and energy together are considered. Now, what is dark matter? Okay. Um, also, just a note, there are other things that make the antiparticle different, not just the opposite charge. Mm -hmm. But they're more like complex things, like spin and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I would better not get into it. Yeah, I, um, I feel like this is, again, as much as we're supposed all to be... All of this is like, if you guys find this interesting, go yeah. look it up. There's so much. Uh, I'm no expert. I'm just here because I really like this stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and just trying to share some knowledge. So, dark matter. Um, what's the question about it that you have? What, uh, how does dark, well, obviously the Santa model does not explain dark matter, but what is the current definition and what's the current definition of dark matter? So, we know dark matter exists. We mm -hmm. see its effects in like uh, large-scale cosmic events. But we don't know what it's made of. We don't know how it interacts. Uh, we do know that it doesn't interact with um, anything other than, like, it doesn't interact through any force other than gravity. Okay, so it does so, not interact with anything but gravity. Yes, so that's why it's really hard to figure out what dark matter is. It's basically invisible to us, and we only know it exists of its gravitational Mm-hmm. And like yeah. what is one and of its gravitational effects if you if you know any? One of its gravitational effects? Mm-hmm. Okay, so um I think the way it was actually discovered, it was uh people were looking at galaxy compositions and the speed that galaxies were rotating, right? And they figured out that um there had to be more matter in the galaxy than was visible. Mm -hmm. Because if not then um, those things would not be gravitationally bound. Like the galaxy would literally just like break apart if there wasn't another type of matter that's invisible to us, hence mm -hmm. dark matter, holding things together. So, and from our hmm? so, is it the situation like where or like gravity, like just like the gravitational force? It's it's we were only able to observe this in grand, you know, cosmic level scales that we really don't have anything because of, of that. So there's a lot of theories for like uh, a particle description of dark matter. It's just that we haven't found anything yet. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people doing active searches like right now to figure out what, what dark matter is on a particle level, mm -hmm. even if it exists at a particle level, because we don't know. There's a lot of like really elegant and interesting theories if you guys want to look it up. Uh, one of them is called the WIMP particle, which is the weak, uh, weakly interacting massive particle model of dark matter. There's the axion particle of dark matter. Uh, all of them have like their own motivation, but it's a topic for another time. But if you guys want to look it up, it's really cool. Okay, so we've been we've spent quite a bit of time on the standard model, and I kind of want to move on to. Uh, something that you were mentioning when you, we were talking about the standard model and, you know, they predicted the existence of these particles and they mm -hmm. just proved it. How were they, how did they run the experiments to prove these discoveries? So, um, most of these particles were discovered, uh, like I said in the beginning, through, like, particle collisions. How, so how the did, way it, yeah, yeah, how did they run particle collisions? So, the way it works, we have this really, really large... Um, particle accelerators where we take say uh, like a beam of protons and just make uh, accelerate them uh, using magnets because like they interact via the electromagnetic force we can bend their trajectory using a magnet right mm -hmm. and by controlling the strength of the magnet we can make them go so that's the uh, basic. Excuse so me, you, 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 went silent, you went silent for the past minute. So the last thing I heard was what the hell? through magnets. Okay. Um, because they're charged particles, we can move them around using magnets. Mm -hmm. So we accelerate them in circles. And I was talking about protons. So they go around very, very fast. And then we collide them with each other. And it doesn't have to be protons. I'm just using an example. Mm-hmm. And by colliding them, 
at these really high energies. For example, at, um, in Switzerland, at the largest particle accelerator ever created, uh, called the Large Hadron Collider. Yes. These part, yeah, these particles uh, get to like percent the speed of light. And then they hit into each other at these like massive, massive speeds, mm -hmm. which creates um, a cascading like jet of particles of these like exotic particles that we never see on earth just walking around and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then these particles decay because they're very short-lived into more stable particles. And then via the detection of these jets, um, we detect like the energy, the momentum, uh, we, we have a way to tell which direction they're coming from. Like, it's, they're very sophisticated detectors, right? Mm -hmm. From there is how we can tell what particles are coming So you're telling me the, the, the Hydron Collider, is it, that's what it's called, right? The Large Hadron Collider. Yeah. yeah. So they, are, they take... How do they take the particles to even get it at that speed? Like... How do they get that fast? Yeah. Just making them accelerate using magnets and... Okay, so... the Because I know it's a, it's a huge thing spanning, I think, three countries. So that entire tunnel is just fill up, filled with magnets and they just throw the particle in there to keep going quicker, quicker, quicker? Yeah. So um, a fun fact. I have a, a couple of fun facts that I brought up. But mm -hmm. a fun fact... In the CMS magnet system, where the CMS is the compact muon, um, compact muon solenoid, I think. Okay, so what is CERN. that? Oh, okay. It's one of the experiments, because there's multiple experiments that run at the same time. Mm -hmm. Just the magnets at the CMS, um, there's more iron in the CMS like experiment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's compact muon solenoid. Then there is, well, more iron in the CMS experiment than there is iron in the Eiffel Tower. Oh, so wow. Okay. So that, that's actually a good physical representation of what how much they use. Jesus Christ. It, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> how, how energy... Uh, I can't find the word. How, how much energy does the Collider use? It uses a lot. Um, I don't have the exact like amount, mm -hmm. but it's a very expensive experiment to create and run. I have a couple other fun facts if you want. Since okay, yeah, keep going. going. That that those are some very useful things. So Damn. it's so huge. It it lies in the border between Switzerland and France, uh -huh. which is just kind of cool. Uh, there's over three thousand scientists that work at the LHC mm -hmm. at CERN, um, and it's 3,000 scientists from 43 institutions, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So now we come to the real fun fact. Well, it's also located 100 meters underground, which is kind of a fun fact. Yeah, it's... Uh, in yeah, it's... And it's 27 kilometers in circumference. You. Do I have a question. Is this the only particle accelerator in the world, or do we have more? No, no, we have more. We do. Really? So this is just yeah. the most well-known, I guess. This is just the biggest. That's why it's the most well-known. Oh. The okay. U.S. has a really good uh, particle physics program at their national laboratories. Mm -hmm. So the Brookhaven National Laboratory, which is located in New York State, mm -hmm. uh, it has an experiment called the RIC experiment, which mm -hmm. I forgot what it stands for. But they also have a very powerful... Um, Except like particle accelerator and collider. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's also Fermilab where uh, they're the leading experts, and Fermilab is in uh, Illinois. Mm -hmm. They're the leading experts in neutrino physics in the world. That's kind of, okay. So, so there are more structures out there. That's kind of cool. Oh yeah. There's, okay. There's so what's the third fun fact? So um. <laughs> One of the coldest places on Earth, mm -hmm. and we can bring this back to Lord Kelvin, is inside the um, the LHC, mm -hmm. where at some places, so the magnets will function. They're superconducting magnets, right? 
-hmm. So they will function the way that they need to function. They're as cold as 1.9 Kelvin. Holy shit, that's... <laughs> How do we get that yeah, cold? So I mean, there's a lot of things that, that we do. That's this is very energy heavy. Just to, because I know, just I know that to even get anything to like ten degrees Kelvin is heavy and like extremely energy reliant. Yes. Well, Holy. this experiment to be created and run, I think the I don't know if the second one included, maybe just the first run. Uh, it cost four point five billion dollars. Oh my god! Get yeah. more money. But it's, it's countries contributing. So. Yeah. Oh wow, that's that's kind of massive. Okay. That's a fun fact. Right? Okay, the other fun fact. So, um, when the collision actually happens, right? Mm -hmm. All this heat gets released, all this energy gets released, and it can get so hot that it can get as hot as a hundred times the center of the sun. So, like, it gets a hundred times hotter than the center of the sun. How do how would how do we not destroy our equipment every time those collisions happen? Because it's all very controlled. Like, it was all calculated, all engineered. So they quickly dissipate like the heat. In, well, yeah. It doesn't, like, go outside the, the now, instrument. Now, I have a question. And they do have maintenance. Yeah, I have a question. Sure. Is there a possibility mm -hmm. that we use this collision as a form of uh, power in the future? Um... Well, the thing is, not that's not the plan. Because mm -hmm. I think it like it wouldn't be cost effective at all if you want to use these collisions that are done for these experiments to get like energy. Like, like, like you're way better just getting a nuclear reactor and having that. Okay. Get energy. Oh, yeah, that's that's how I thought. I was like, that yeah. that's the thing. Like, it's not like you can't. It's just that's not what it's designed. For. It's not designed it's for that. And also, I feel like it's like you know you have to spend a lot of energy just to get the fraction of it back. Exactly. Okay. So, what are the current experiments and like what are the, what is the future of uh, particle physics right now? Well, let's go with current so experiments. Are there current experiments going on? I mean, yeah. Um, so this doesn't have to be just with accelerator physics, right? Mm -hmm. In general, particle physics. Yeah. Because there's still um, the LHC is going to get an upgrade, and it's going to run at higher um, luminosity. What does in that mean? In like five years, I think. What it's basically. It? It's a way for us to try to detect particles that we weren't able to detect before. Mm -hmm. That's all you can think of. It's an upgrade in that way. Now, mm -hmm. uh, so that's really exciting. Uh, there are also some plans for a future um, linear collider. In a future, so there's a lot of like different plans that um, groups of scientists have drafted, like done all the paperwork for it, and they need approval from government. Um, but as far as current experiments go. There's a lot of experiments at Fermilab. Uh, they're getting started with an experiment called Doom, which is the deep underground neutrino experiment. They named it Doom? Dune. Uh, Dune. Like I was like, Dune? yeah, I was like, they, if they named it Doom, I'm like, whoa, I no. found the plot for my next billion dollar sci-fi movie. It's Dune for a deep underground neutrino experiment. Oh, okay. Where they're trying to understand the nature of neutrino oscillations if i'm mm -hmm. not mistaken which is something that we don't understand and really interesting by the way but so again, we don't have enough time i mean again it's a this is a massive field i, I can't precise yeah, yeah. like as as we've talked even in the history like some of these stuff were predicted like almost 90 years ago and we found one of one of them like 2012 you know yeah it's still another a, thing like hmm? it's still an ongoing field and honestly i just want to see i want because this is going to be my next question like with like i want to see how this field can affect our personal lives 
mm-hmm. with quantum computing being like a thing that they want to do. But keep going. Yeah, a lot of times it's not like a, a direct thing that goes like off of the the experiment to the general public, but the technology that we need to develop experiments often have like side effects in industry. Um, stuff with like superconductors or even right now uh, Concern does a lot of their data analysis on cluster computing like mm-hmm. computer clusters that we need to use cluster computing um, there's a lot of development of algorithms that started out in these types of experiments are now being used in industry as well right mm-hmm. stuff like that um, what else was I going to say uh, oh we... there's also a really cool experiment that's mm-hmm. not done at any major research lab is done in the south pole if i'm not mistaken why would you want to do it in the freezing well why so why they try yep uh, uh, huh? why in the south pole this has me uh, worried so they try to detect um neutrinos and other cosmic particles like because basically, instead of running a collider, right? Mm-hmm. They're just waiting for particles to come from outer space into Earth. Mm-hmm. So they have detectors, like, under the, the South Pole, like, under the frozen ocean. Uh-huh. And uh, they set it up in a way where if these particles go through the detector, they can detect it. Wait, so it's under the ocean? Yeah, yeah, they have like rods going really deep on it. It's called the ice cube. That's the name of the experiment. Huh. I love cool. how physicists mean things. Yeah, I was like, huh, either it's like I could t- like it's it's almost as if they name these things as to use as plot points in a sci-fi movie. Hey, we need to get the ice cubes. That's <laughs> it's the secret, you know, but, yeah. mission, whatever. Uh, they're trying to detect uh, stuff related to neutrinos. interesting so really really cool so where's the future research trying to go like is there like i mean obviously there's no real overarching direction but like where are they trying to take like what's the next key thing they want to identify in this uh standard model or field we still don't know the precise mass of the neutrino or Uh or any of them there's three neutrinos Mm mm-hmm uh, we don't know if the neutrino is its own antiparticle, because if it is, it could possibly explain um, why we have a matter universe. Matter universe. So why we don't have an antimatter universe? Yeah, because as far as we know, at during the Big Bang, there were as likely, but we have one and not the other. Wait, uh, you broke up there too. So last as far was... as we know, they're both as likely. To have though we have a matter universe instead of an antimatter universe huh and again as you as we mentioned earlier those two cannot coexist yes so they're equally as we're supposed as far as we know mm-hmm. they were equally as likely to be pro- and since if they're produced in equal amounts they mm-hmm. will just touch each other and annihilate the result would have been no universe at all yet yeah. we are here so that's one of the Big question. So they have to explain the fact that, you know, we're here and the, we have the same amount of antimatter and matter, but we can't have, we don't, if they're together, they kill, well, they self destruct. I know, like, that would be the word. I was going to say self destruct because I realize words have. Annihilate. Yeah, they have the. Okay. And is there any, like, yeah, so theories that on that right that now? We don't know yet. Hmm? Is there any theories regarding that? Yeah, so if the, again, I'm no expert, but if the neutrino is its own antiparticle, uh-huh. then then uh, during the, like, not that long after the Big Bang, when these particles were being created, um, an excess of, like, neutrinos would mean, because, like, the neutrinos wouldn't annihilate themselves, from my understanding. But they would interact with the rest of matter, and I guess that's what would lead to having matter over antimatter. Because mm-hmm. like all we need is a very slight pendulum 
switch towards matter and the rest would it would just cascade itself right yeah yeah. okay that's interesting and um i feel like we should have we'll you know what we'll have this on uh every podcast every podcast from now if there's any big breakthrough in the world of particle physics we'll let you know towards the end of the podcast (laughs) okay so um the actual because i so the explanation is that if the neutrinos are its antiparticles, mm-hmm. then a type of beta decay called neutrinoless double beta decay would be possible, mm-hmm. which would favor matter over antimatter. Okay. That's all. Okay. Now, uh, I just want a quick tangent here on how does, like, what is quantum computing? Okay, you know, this is like completely unrelated. <laughs> It's like its own thing. Okay, so that would explain why I'm getting confused. So quantum physics is different from particle physics, right? Okay, so all all contemporary fields of physics, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, I shouldn't say all. Like 99% of them makes use of quantum. Like quantum mechanics is a tool that we use in physics. Okay. Yeah, so from first we had quantum mechanics, then from that quantum electrodynamics developed Mm -hmm. and then quantum field theory uh or i don't know which one came first but quantum chromodynamics which explains the strong force interactions and then these were combined into the standard model Mm -hmm. so like the standard model is a quantum model but it's like much more than that um the things with quantum computing is it's using specific properties of quantum mechanics which is the general description of particles, right? Mm-hmm. At the quantum level. Um, and using, making use of these specific phenomena that only happen, that don't happen with classical computers, only with quantum computers, mm-hmm. to make better, like, computers. Okay. That so, could be its own yeah. thing. It's but like what's the thing, topic. well, since we're on more on particle physics here, what is the difference between particle physics and, well, quantum physics? You kind of mentioned about it. Like, do these two fields interact because i'm a bit confused on the these two fields right now so okay so quantum mechanics mm-hmm. is to particle physics kind of what out let's see let me not get too to that in detail it would be what like a hammer is to a house okay so it's part of the hammer to build the house Okay, but it has nothing to do. Okay, I see it. So can I? Can I... It's not like particle, like particle physics, makes use of quantum descriptions of things. But like for physicists, quantum me- like quantum mechanics is a tool tool that we use to explain things. Okay, and particle physics is basically the building blocks. Would would I be right? The building blocks of the universe? No. no? Well. You're just getting hung up on the quantum. That's why you're getting confused. Oh, sorry. I meant particle physics. So particle physics mm-hmm. tries to explain uh, the basic building blocks of matter, mm-hmm. right? Which are at a subatomic scale, so they are quantum processes. Okay. But that yes. And so the theory there, the par- particle physics is a quantum theory. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, well, like, where is your confusion? That's the thing. That my I'm con- yeah, no, my confusion is, like, I thought they were similar, but I don't think they are. It's not that they're not similar. Mm-hmm. It's just that quantum... Me- it's like... How can I... Think of, like, regular physics, like classical. Right? Yep. So classical physics... We have a a force, whatever we use, we like have a ball rolling down a hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to know the acceleration, the velocity, right? Going really basics here. Mm-hmm. And let's say I have the velocity. If I want to know the acceleration, I'll take the derivative. If I want the um, position, I will integrate over the um, velocity and then plug in the initial condition, right? Okay. So, I'm making use of calculus to do physics. Yeah. 
the same way I use quantum particles. So you make you make use of quantum to wait. Now this is where my confusion comes into place. Which one do you make use to the other? You make use of quantum mechanics to do to particle, particle physics. physics. Okay, that's the, that's where my confusion was. I thought you used particle physics. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. It's because okay. Uh, now what? Clearly. Let's just say, and it's uh, not just—it's also not just the traditional quantum mechanics. It's like, because it, the quantum mechanics that got developed in, in like the 1950s, 60s got expanded on mm -hmm. into other things. Okay, now let's say I want to know more about this. Where should I start? I was gonna say there's a lot of really nice uh, YouTube channels uh -huh. that like just describe stuff related to physics in general, uh, depending on the level that you want it in. There's different things that I would recommend. If let's you want something that's like more let's easy just, to get into. Let's just start 101 into getting into particle physics. Like you have a decent amount of uh, knowledge in classical physics, but that's it. Like classical mechanics? Yeah, yeah classical mechanics. Okay, well, if you know classical mechanics, you could honestly start looking well you would have to know quantum mechanics it depends on how rigorous you want this thing if you just want to like know of the ideas right mm -hmm. there's a lot of good youtube channels that i feel like um, you can look at for the ideas they wouldn't give you like an in-depth yeah mathematical mm -hmm. description like for that you can go to the textbooks there's not really much to do other than yeah that. or like watch lectures on youtube um but Fermi lab has really good videos describing the Mm -hmm. uh, there's also there's a couple like physicist YouTubers that describe like describe particle physics pretty well amongst other things mm -hmm. uh, there's this girl called physics girl who has really intuitive like easy to understand videos mm -hmm. uh, which is nice there's a graduate student called Andrew Dotson who has amazing videos uh, describing physics in general and his like graduate school experience if you want a more high budget description of things uh, more traditional you know you can look at pbs space time which mostly focuses on uh, astrophysics and cosmology but they also have some um, particle physics videos which is really nice like that one is really really nice but that one would be also a, a slightly higher level description mm-hmm but yeah, but all of these I recommend. So we're gonna do keep this up. Uh, if you have any news in particle physics, do we'll let we'll add them to the end of every podcast from now on. So sure, that that I feel like that'll be a fun thing. And I mean, I know that this is a really big and confusing topic. So if anyone has any question, you can email the podcast at descent into podcast at gmail.com i don't remember the i think i'm right on the email there i'm not so sure <laughs> let me just double check yes it is descent into podcast at gmail.com do email it there with your questions because i feel like this is well one topic that if you want more we might be able to answer it to some extent oh yeah for sure and this again this was just trying to see if you guys are interested i find this topic really interesting and do send us messages yeah. um, and i think that for this uh particular episode uh we'll have a short summary of this so basically particle physics was it's a relatively new field it's like 90 it's years, years old, yeah, yeah about 100 years old uh one of the key things in particle physics is a standard model that is used to describe particles uh, within uh, within the field. You have quarks, leptons, and uh, bosons. Yes. Uh, quarks deal with the strong force. Well, mm, I they will also have... deal with other forces. It's just that they don't. They're the only ones that deal with the strong force. Yeah, and yeah. the leptons is with the electromagnetic force. And, and the weak force, and same the, with the, the quirks. Yep. We don't need to get them. 
and the bosons is the care the force carriers we yeah. found we discovered the higgs boson uh particle as re uh in 2012 this is the oh. most recent one at the lhc oh another key thing i forgot is there are four forces that particle physics deals well three they don't really deal They're with gravity it's the strong force, the weak force, and the electromagnetic force. Uh, the standard model for now is, is it complete? I don't want to say that it's I complete. I mean, the standard model is complete. There's still measurements that people are doing, but like all the particles have been found. It's just that there's still things beyond the standard model. And that's what yep. the research and is going to go. The standard model does not explain things like dark matter. And there are theories out there trying to explain why we live in a matter-filled universe instead of antimatter. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's a lot to a lot left that to was be. That a very brief oh, yeah. like intro. Yeah. There's um, a lot left in the field of physics. So in the immortal worlds of Lord Calvin, there's nothing to be left to left to be discovered. <laughs> yeah, this dude was kind of wrong uh, wrong is an understatement on this one yeah and also like if people want to send emails about what we can talk about oh yeah please do if you want uh, us to talk about some specific thing because i do i have an idea for the next episode but it's not set in stone yeah. so yeah remember just don't be lord don't be like lord kelvin and think that something is complete because in reality, the the quest of science is never complete because we'll always have more questions. Thanks for listening to The Descent into Particle Physics with Legit and Vinny. I'm gonna be honest here, I have no idea what they just talked about. So if you did, props to you. Send us an email if you have questions. But please, let it be about anything else besides particle physics. Tune in next time for hopefully something that doesn't confuse me while I'm editing.